Are you a female entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Are you a professional woman with a passion and want to start your own business or are facing roadblocks that are preventing you from thriving in the one you have? Successful female entrepreneurs have their share of woes to reach their share of wins. Hear their stories and learn how they do it, and you can too. Get ready to win with the Women Who Win Empower podcast. Here is your host, inspirational business speaker, and women's empowerment coach, Pat B. Freeman. Hello, everyone. I'm Pat B. Freeman. Welcome to Women Who Win Empower podcast with an entrepreneurial focus. This is where we talk real talk about the woes and the wins of successful women entrepreneurs who win despite obstacles and empower others to win. Our guest today is an author, speaker, and franchise owner of Liberty Tax Service in business for 15 years. While working 80-hour weeks as a senior brand manager on one of the world's largest brands, her two toddlers delivered a wake-up call. Exploring her options, she decided that entrepreneurship best suited her career and life goals. She is recognized not only as a top performing franchisee, but also as a top master franchisee and was voted twice by her peers to be the master developer in an international franchise. In a span of eight years, she grew her master franchise areas from four locations to 90. Enjoying helping franchisees grow, she's authored a franchise marketing and performance book titled Purple Goldfish Franchise Edition. She offers keynote as well as breakout speeches and consulting to help franchisers and franchisees grow their franchise operations. She's also volunteers. She also volunteers as a business mentor with SCORE, a local small business center, as well as serve in a variety of roles at her church. The list just goes on and and on. She and her family resides in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Please welcome Tiffany Dotson to the show. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Pat. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have you. Tiffany, when I look at the list of things that you've accomplished, everything from the small business tax topic we can talk about, how to start a business, how to have a franchise, there's just so much to you. But I also know as a business owner, having worked a nine to five myself at one point, that many people may at some point, especially even professionals, may want to quit their nine to five. What was your why for making the leap from employee to business owner? Simply put, I wanted more control over my financial life. When I looked at family and friends who had invested decades, in some cases, Pat, working for a company only to face in their later years of their career a layoff through no fault of their own, it was a wake-up call delivered. I looked at my mother, who had worked for a company for 30 years, and that company went through a large layoff. I looked at my father-in-law, who had a similar situation. He started working at a company when the company itself technically didn't exist. Worked there for 30 years, only to see a layoff. 
I looked at other friends, obviously read the newspaper, and my husband and I had always had an interest in starting a business. At that time, we didn't quite know what it might be, and we had a somewhat of a Y formed, but as we looked at our friends and our family, and certainly the devastation that can be leveraged when one loses their job and their livelihood, we decided we wanted to better insulate ourselves against that. So we began looking for a way that we could own our own business. And while that doesn't protect you 100% from what life may bring, we felt at that time, and I still believe at this time, if you deliver great service, if you truly care about your customers, if you have a great team, you care about them and you find folks who, fortunately in my case, treat my business as if it were their own. They love it and they nurture it, they fertilize it and grow it with me. When you bring those things together, you are much more likely to not only have food on the table and the mortgage paid, but you're also likely to have a very full and wealthy life in many other areas as well. I like the way you say that. Um, some of the things, something as simple as looking at how you can fertilize. When you fertilize something, it grows or being insulated, being prepared. Absolutely. When I'm coaching, whether it be I'm coaching franchisees or whether I'm mentoring at the small business center, we all have a little bit of a different why. And we often talk about peeling the onion back. At the surface level, many of us will say, oh, we went into our own business because we wanted to earn more. We'll say something about earning or wanting to protect earnings, as I've just shared. And as you start peeling the onion back, that's where you start finding various reasons for, well, why does that matter? Why does it matter if you have financial security? Why does that matter to you? For me, there were several reasons behind that. One, of course, at that time, my husband and I had small children. As you shared in the introduction, I was working a lot of hours on a brand that I loved, doing a job that I loved, but I wasn't with my daughters. Mm. And that's not how I was raised. I was fortunate to have my mom around. I was fortunate to have my grandparents around. So I very much wanted to be more involved with my daughters. I enjoyed that time and I love them very much. I also wanted to be able to know that I had financial security for them. Mm. Growing up, my mom had to work three different jobs. Uh, as a single parent, we were, she divorced when I was younger and she had to work three jobs to make sure that not only was food on the table, but to offer me some opportunities to do things. And I wanted to make certain that I did not have that struggle and that I was able to provide opportunity for my daughters to flourish, explore what they love, and to become what they're meant to become, um, someone useful in society and a career for which they have passion and that they enjoy. So that was a big key piece. Another part that was important is it's always key to take people with you. As I think there's a quote, I wish I could recall who said it, but it's something to the effect of, if you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to get far, take people with you. Mm -hmm. And by owning my own business, I'm able to ask folks, why do you want to work here? 
beyond earning a paycheck, we all want to earn a pay for a hard day's work. What is it that you want? And let's see how this work opportunity may be able to achieve that. We've had, uh, I've worked with folks who have started out as employees that have turned into franchise business owners. I have folks who have told me, well, I've always worked in manual labor and it's always been a goal of mine to do something that is more of a desk job. I want to do something that shows I'm smart (laughs) and I can do more than just X or Y. Well, let me tell you, doing a complex tax return pretty much sums that up. (laughs) So uh, we can offer that training and that job opportunity and, and give them that. So there are a variety of reasons why people want to own their own business. For me, it came down to providing a better life for my family and also being able to touch some folks in my own community and give them a chance to achieve whatever their goal may be. So this was about, not just about you, it was about others, but why did you choose franchising, particularly Liberty Tax Service, versus just doing it yourself? When I look at franchising, I like to tell folks that you will either pay tuition to the School of Life or you're going to pay royalties. Mm. I'll be the first to tell you up front that franchising is not for everyone. It is not the answer to everyone who wants to start a business. It was the answer for me and still is. I have no regrets. So the reason that I looked at franchising, I wanted to avoid some of the costly mistakes that I could see myself easily making by not knowing a certain industry, a certain space. When we think about opening a business and we're doing it ourselves, there are so many considerations. My background has been in the marketing and customer experience field. My husband's background is in accounting. Now, when I look at the reasons why we chose a franchise, there are many areas of the business that we don't know. For example, we don't know about human resources and human resource laws when we first started. I had never signed a commercial lease. I didn't know the ins and outs. There are some common sense things we could all think about, certain traffic flows and patterns that may be of interest, but I had never negotiated a commercial lease. Mm. I had hired people within the confines of working for a large corporation. I had never had to put together my own training system, my own onboarding packaging. And then you start looking at industry specifics once we chose to go into the tax field. I've never written tax software. I've never had to choose a tax software before. So the franchise brought to us a path that was already carved. Mm -hmm. The downside, frankly, to a franchise is that, yes, you're paying royalties in perpetuity for that service, and you're paying a franchise fee. When we calculated it for ourselves, we determined that it's worth the investment because of the mistakes that we would have made, what those mistakes would have cost us relative to the ongoing fees we pay. The other piece of a franchise that works well for me is that you automatically have wonderful colleagues that will help you. 
So for example, let's say I open up a dry cleaning business just to use an example. I can't go to the dry cleaners next door and ask for advice when my business is sluggish. I'm their main competitor. I'm next door. But in a franchise system, there is someone running a business like mine, probably in a similar city, similar demographic makeup. If they're having success, I can reach out to them and say, hey, how are you doing that? What are you doing? And they'll tell me. So for us, it was having that franchisor support in so many areas where we had not yet developed the strength and also having a team beyond just our walls that could give us advice that comes up and lives and breathes and grows the franchise system. Now, as far as Liberty, sorry, go ahead, Pat. No, you go ahead. You're about to say the Liberty Tax. I want to hear that piece. Yeah. So as far as Liberty Tax Service, I spent uh, time working at Miller Brewing Company and Philip Morris USA. And within those businesses, I spent quite a bit of time working with convenience store owners. My husband and I were actually looking at opening a convenience store. Mm. And we had looked at a little bit of a DIY option. There was someone who had mentored me and and taught me a, a little bit about the business and would offer to continue to help. And of course, there are also franchises that are convenience stores. So we were looking into that business. And this is when my husband was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At that point, we had one very young daughter, and he was working for an an accounting firm that ceased to exist. And it's one that certainly made the papers. There was quite a bit of scandal. It was Arthur Anderson. Mm. And while we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there was a group of folks in Texas that decided to make up numbers for Enron and WorldCom and cost shareholders around the world millions of dollars. So as that opportunity ceased to exist, we also started looking in the income tax field. Mm. Now, this was a bit of a jump. His background had always been in corporate tax returns and working with large corporations. And as we looked into this opportunity, we were looking at individuals and smaller businesses. So we started calling around to some of the franchises. We had decided there are some franchises out there in this space that have a great reputation, and we could see the benefit to us for having a charted path, a road that had already been cleared versus us out bushwhacking and clearing the path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we started investigating two of the options. And it came down when you're looking at a franchise beyond the industry, it's important to find the right culture, fit, and feel. So I'll give an example. I've talked to folks before and they say, I love the example usually given is I love playing golf. Wonderful. And in my current profession, I get to play a lot of golf. Fabulous. I want to open up a golf store. No bueno. (laughs) And here's why. It could be that while golf is your passion, how are you going to like filling gaps when staff are not available? How are you going to like being in charge of ordering, of doing this, of doing that? And what you may find is that the person's skill set and desire 
maybe for a business that might be more semi-absentee that gives them time to play more golf. And while the business they're talking about is in that industry of their hobby, it doesn't necessarily provide for the lifestyle that they're seeking. Yes. So it's very important as we started investigating and looking at two tax franchises, Liberty Tax had the culture fit and feel that we wanted. Um, There was an area developer that worked with us and took us under his wing in our first years to help us learn the system and execute it. We found the franchisees to be very warm and welcoming and helpful. And we found it to be a community, a family of employees and franchisees. So the culture fit and feel for us worked well. And I have to tell you, it's an added bonus that you work very hard for four months of the year. There is work to do outside of tax season, but it's certainly less strenuous than in season, and it allows great flexibility to be with your family. So add it all up. We were sold. Let's do a franchise and let's do a Liberty Tax. Well, it sounds like in making that switch from working for someone else, your husband went along with your switch and you seem to have gone into business together in purchasing this franchise. What is it like working with your spouse in a business? <laughs> that could be its own comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is wonderful because I'm working with someone I very much trust and value. Our skill sets complement each other. It's also a major challenge. And those who contemplate working with a significant other, a family member, someone that they're going to see on a regular basis, I can say there are a few things you can do to prepare. Number one, set out clear roles and responsibilities. It can be, especially if you're both motivated, take the hill, charge kind of people, and you both run into the same office with that caption and then head in different directions, you will terrify your entire staff, (laughs) plain and simple. (laughs) My husband and I have done that a couple times. So to that end, plan out. You can just envision it, right? Tax preparers going, ah, they flail away from their desk. So have clearly defined, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going, you're going to do. When we want to talk, how will we confer? Because the other thing you don't want your staff and team members to feel is that, well, I get one direction from him and one direction from her. When there are points that you disagree, and there naturally will be, right? How many of us with friends, significant others, how many of us always agree? And so, so it's important to know how we're going to handle that in a business sense. Furthermore, it's important to meet regularly and have goals. So when we got into this, this is what we wanted to accomplish. There are various metrics that different businesses use, but certainly across all businesses, you're probably looking at things like your profit margin, um, you know, if you have inventory, the terms of that inventory, the ticket size. There are some common parameters that a lot of businesses use. Productivity is one that we're keen about. We look at the number of tax returns versus the number of hours our employees are working. So whatever those metrics may be, you've set out some goals that you want to achieve. By this date, we want to be here. By that date, we want to be there. 
it's important to review those regularly. Mm-hmm. Now, most people will laugh when I tell this story, but every year on our anniversary, we go off and part of our anniversary trip, because we're alone away from the kids, right? Yes. Part of our anniversary trip is reviewing our one, three, five, and 10 year plan. Mm-hmm. And we sit down and we go over, okay, this is where we wanted to be. Did each of us, and you're holding each other accountable and you don't just do this annually, right? You've got to revisit it as you go along. But as you're going along, you are going to take care of this. I was going to do that. Did we achieve what we set out to do? Because this is a business. That's a great lead to my next question. Because I I want to expound on that just briefly. Hmm. Sure. With setting these goals where you want to be as a team, you started with one franchise. Do you have more? How many franchises do you have now? How many locations, should I say? And how many people do you employ? We expanded, after we became a franchisor, we expanded with Liberty in a unique way. Not all franchises offer this program. Liberty offered being an area developer. Mm-hmm. So our, after opening a location, we had uh, two in Milwaukee, sold that when we moved back to North Carolina, and we opened a location in North Carolina. That particular location is the fourth largest in the country out of about 3,500 offices. Mm. And we chose to expand in a different way. And this gets along with the team and taking the team with you. We became area developers. There are several franchisors that offer this model. In this model, you buy the rights to a market area. So think about where you turn on the TV and everybody's watching the same news station, the same local news. That's the market area. So we purchased the rights to Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point, North Carolina, Knoxville, Tennessee, and then more recently in the last five years, Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. And within that market area, we look to identify folks who want to be a franchisee, who want to be a Liberty franchisee. And once they become Liberty tax franchisees, if there is a fit there, then we work with them as a coach and mentor to help them achieve their dreams. Mm-hmm. So with three market areas at this point, there are over 65 offices that I work with on a regular basis. And the way in which we work obviously varies greatly, as anyone who's a coach will know, based upon that person's personalities, their dreams and desires, yes. as well as where they are in the business learning process of our system. Are they in year one or year 10? Yes. There can be vast differences. There's and so, so much, that has been, I'm sorry, there's just so much no. to this. There is going into it. You didn't go into it knowing that you would end up where you are today, even writing a book. Now you've authored a book on the subject. I mean, th- Tiffany, there's a lot to ask you. <laughs> there's, you've even written a book now. And in that, this purple goldfish, I have to find out from starting from day one and leaving the employment world to owning your own business to now being in it for 15 years to expanding and having 65 offices to now writing a book. Please tell us about about this book where you are now an author. Writing a book was something that I had in my long range goal. I thought at some point, this is starting out in, in my 20s. At some point, I want to be 
have knowledge and be good enough at something that I could create content that may help someone else. And it truly was an enjoyable and cathartic and learning experience writing the book. Now, I'm fortunate that I have a talented co-author who's written books before, and he helped guide me through this process. I call him my Sherpa. Uh And Stan Phelps, my co-author, and I met through Liberty Tax Service. Stan Phelps. Stan is a, yes, Stan Phelps. Stan is a marketing and customer experience guru. And he was speaking at Liberty and talking about customer experience. I loved the way that he spoke to our group. I love the fact that Stan focuses on the positive. When he gives examples of ways to grow your business, he gives you examples of other businesses that are knocking it out of the park. Mm. For me, that was a great way to do it. I love the positivity of it and the difference it can make by focusing in. I've seen it in my own business. Focusing in on just things that seem so small in customer experience make a huge difference. Mm. So I loved his style. I love the way that he, he writes. And I got to know Stan over a few years. And I approached him one day and I said, Stan, I want to write a book with you. And he <laughs> said, okay, well, what would our book be about? And I said, well, it would be in the franchise space and marketing. It's what I know. It's what I have to give from a content standpoint. And it would be in the purple goldfish space, which Stan had already created that as a customer experience book, how to just go above and beyond consumer expectations so that they absolutely love you and treasure your business. I have to say, you know, I know Stan, and he's amazing. This goldfish series is just amazing. I'm sorry. I just had to say that. (laughs) He he is amazing. He wonderful, wonderful guide. And So Stan thought about it and we decided, yes, let's do it. So I spent over a year researching numerous other franchisors. And what do these franchisors do to help their franchisees become more successful? Yes. And Stan and I had an aha moment. We were going over a variety of examples that that we collected and we're talking about them and, and weeding through them. And that aha moment was, whenever you look at a franchise, the word system comes up constantly. Follow the system, follow the system. It almost becomes a joke because that's always the answer. I don't have enough customers. Well, follow the system. I'm not getting the type of reviews that I would want. Follow the system. (laughs) If you're in a franchise that has a great system, that's what it boils down to is that charted business path. So we created an acronym system. The first S deals with selection because there is that culture fit and feel piece of the franchisor selecting the right people. And this book is written primarily from the franchisor's perspective, but you can take it as someone who is a franchisee or someone who wants to become a franchisee and flip that paradigm and say, well, if selection is, is important to a franchisor, then I need to be careful, A, in how I select a franchise partner, and B, I want to be with a franchisor who is selective. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not meant to be in this business, don't waste my time or money. <laughs> so we 
we we wrote out the system piece. It has parts in there about training, how the franchisor uh, trains you in startup versus ongoing, about managing, and that deals with operational support that franchisees receive at headquarters and best practices there. And we ended it with a bit of a rubric so that a franchisor, or frankly, a franchisee could use it as a scorecard for a franchisor, how they're measuring up on system and which pieces of the SY, and you spell it all out, right? Which part of system is the biggest opportunity for improvement? Mm. And so that is Purple Goldfish Franchise Edition. Awesome. So if someone were to want to purchase this book, where can they find it? It is available at Amazon. So you can just go to Amazon, Purple Goldfish Franchise Edition by Stan Phelps and Tiffany Dodson, and there it is. Awesome. Now, if you've been in business for 15 years, so I'm kind of deviating. Yes, absolutely. For 15 years. What has been your greatest, because we have to know this, anyone who has been in business and successful has had some experiences with success, wins, and they've had woes. Just briefly tell us about a woe that you've experienced in your life and or in business. Tell us briefly. Well, you know, there has to your point, there are many. And that's how how life works, right? That's how we learn, that's how we how we grow and and how we improve. I would say one of mine that was more recent was a violation of my own system acronym. And uh. that I selected to enter a business that is a fine business. And it, it's well run. They have a system that's great, but it wasn't a match for me. And going into it, I know of a variety of folks. I have colleagues who have been in this particular type of franchise that have been very successful with it and are still very much there. It should have been just assigned to me as I was interviewing. I, I, I think I turned a bit of a blind eye to certain indicators to say, I don't think this is a cultural fit with me because the folks that I know are colleagues of mine that are similar. So I'm thinking, well, if they're doing well in this, then I might as well. As I got into the training class, it's a wonderful, I, I did learn some very valuable tools in general. And I appreciate it as someone who studies franchisors, the way in which they go about looking at training and developing people. There were learnings in their system of training, but there were certain indicators that should have been more of red flags to me that this may not be the right match for you, Tiffany. And it was something that as I started working on it, I didn't enjoy it, Pat. It just wasn't Mm -hmm. fun. But yet I know other folks who are enjoying it and the idea of it was wonderful. But for me, it just was not joyful. I I was in a a speaker's group recently, and the person who was speaking was giving an example, and he said, you know you're meant to do something when, and I love this adage, I'm going to start applying it myself, (laughs) when money is no object, imagine that you have enough money and resources to live to be 105, 110 in luxury and comfort, Mm. and even given that, you would still choose to do this activity because it brings you so much joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when I started looking at this particular piece, 
it was something that frankly did not bring me that type of joy. And so I transitioned from that. Um, it had opened up doors for other opportunities and other explorations. And so I feel like as someone who is prayerful, I feel like that's where I was going to meant to go because of the other paths and journeys that it's opened for me that are joy filled. So for me, doing the speaking and the book uh, coaching, that is something that even if I even if I could say the bank account is so full that I could live to 110 and live in luxury, I would still do it for free. So it's all about life lessons, right? There, part of being an entrepreneur is there is no such thing as failure as long as you get up. As business owners, what are some tax changes that will benefit or, yeah, yeah, benefit, I think that's the main thing, to benefit small business owners or business owners in general? Sure. There's one particular tax law change that comes to mind because it can be very beneficial for those of us who own small business and especially beneficial if we're looking at starting up or expanding a business. It is under the new tax law. It is called a section 199A. What it means is if you have a qualified business, which I'll explain, you may be able to shelter up to 20% of your income from being taxed federally. Now, this is a complex law. There's a lot of if this, then that. There are some income constraints on that. There are also, it's a married filing joint. You have to earn under $315,000. It's half that amount for any other filing status. If it's over that, there's some phasing out. There are unfortunately a couple of areas. One is my own, which is tax preparation. That is considered a, um, a service things like speaking, acting, performing, um, financial services in general. Those are a few of the businesses that have exclusions. So whereas some folks who earn between, let's say, married filing joint uh, 315 and, and 400 may be able to take a piece of that deduction, those in those industries are explicitly excluded in that income range from taking advantage of it. Uh-huh. There are some other twists and turns that involve net capital gains and some other tax things. So it's best if you think you might be able to take advantage to, to speak to a professional or do some research. But at the end of the day, if you can save 20% of your federal income tax, calculate that in your mind for your business income. What could you do to reinvest that money in your business? Mm-hmm. How could you reinvest that extra tax dollars that you're now not paying? So that's one area that's pretty exciting because it's brand new. And for some folks, it is quite a large chunk of money when when they're looking at that. It can give them some great opportunity to reinvest into their business. Other business owners, I always say the more detailed records that you can um, that you can get, the better. It is unfortunately amazing that <laughs> sometimes I'll tell you about this one entrepreneur, wonderful man. He um, served in our military and he also owns a bunch of rental property. Mm. And when he comes into our tax office, he brings his receipts in an animal cracker cookie jar. This is the huge kind of animal cracker bear plastic jar that you get at like a Costco's or a Sam's. Yes. And all of his receipts for the year are stuffed in. Now, on the one hand, great, he gets all of his receipts, right? That part's great. 
But the downside is that means during the year, he's not really tracking and paying attention to what these things are costing him. And so he could miss out on the tax side. We'll just step away from business right now. But on the tax side, every now and then I'll get calls from someone that says, hey, I have some rental properties, for example. Um, I have a little bit more that I can invest. I need to do this, that, or that. And because there is depreciation and other values, they'll say, which one will get me the best bang on my taxes this year? He's missing out on those types of opportunities because he's not really watching where he is throughout the year. Mm. And as we talked about earlier, Pat, when you were talking about, you know, key performance indicators, right? His eye is off the ball. How much do you make in that property? How much are you putting in? So so your advice to those who own a business specifically is keep track or have someone who at least is your record keeper. Are you saying that? Absolutely. If you, if you're first starting out, I would encourage you to try to keep up with your own receipts, right? I mean, you could even do it in Excel in a simple format. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll be better off at tax time when it comes and you can mind throughout what your investment level is, what your income level is, and you can better make decisions about how to invest in your business. If you don't have the time, if you know you're just someone who will not do that, there are many people you can hire very reasonably to do bookkeeping for you. Yes. One mistake that I see, whether I'm in the tax office or whether I'm coaching small business startups, folks will take it straight out of their personal account and not have a business account. You need to keep money separate, especially for tax purposes. The IRS um, wants to make sure because it's so easy for a business owner to say, oh, I'm paying for this out of the business when it's personal. You never want to do that. So by having separate accounts, you've created a clear delineation of this is my personal money. This is the money for the business. And you avoid that whole cloud of, is that really a business expense? The book. I'm back to the book because I know we are going to give a free offer for those who subscribe to the show on the website. There is a form at the bottom of the website when your show airs, and we want everyone to get this free gift. So tell us a little bit about that free gift. Absolutely. So for those who sign up, we're going to select a lucky winner. And that person will receive four of the Goldfish books. We'll send directly to that person. And from there, they can learn about topics from customer service and franchising to um, how to keep employees happy and engaged to the most recent Goldfish book is Gray Goldfish. And it gives advice from both perspectives. If you're the manager of someone from a different generation, how to manage. And if you're the employee of someone from a different generation than yours, how to better align expectations and performance to make the workplace happier and smoother. So there'll be four goldfish books available to a lucky winner. Can't do better than that. How can you be reached? The best way to reach me would be at my email address, which is Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, at Tiffany. W. Dodson, that's D as in David, O, D as in David, S-O-N, at, uh, dot com. So Tiffany at Tiffany W. Dodson dot com. Excellent. 
Tiffany Dotson. I wish we had more time. I'm enjoying this conversation. There's so much information that can help us as entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for letting me share the tips. You're wonderful. Join us again next time for another episode of Women Who Win Empower. I'm Pat B. Freeman. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. Want to be a guest or advertise with us? Visit patbfreeman.com or email to pat at patbfreeman.com. Also, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher and receive automatic updates. Subscribe early and get a free product or tool from guest and the host to help power your dreams. Also, be inspired by special episodes with successful male entrepreneurs who stand in the gap to inspire and empower women to win. Finally, check out Pat's latest book, Get Your Mind Right, Seven Steps to Breakthrough Confidence for Aspiring Authors, available on Amazon. Join us every Wednesday on Women Who Win, Empower.